and welcome to the newest edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. This is your host, Owen Reese, uh, for the first time uh, hosting this podcast solo. And uh, we have a big uh, big episode for you today. We have a couple football commits, uh, a lot of excitement surrounding the Wisconsin football program. So a lot to get to. Uh, but first, uh, just to take care of some of the, some housekeeping things, uh, obviously uh, this is my first episode as the solo host uh, as the um, of the podcast, and, and that won't be forever. Uh, changes will be coming uh, in the few weeks. I'll still be here, uh, but currently looking for a co-host, um, but but running solo for now. But uh, mostly just wanted to say thank you again to Jake Kokorowski, who uh, is currently writing for BadgerBlitz.com for the Rivals Network, uh, doing a great job for them already. Uh, and, and just wanted to say thanks to Jake, uh, taking a chance on a kid who messaged him on Twitter uh, asking to write about the Badgers. And, and he's gotten us to the SB Nation Team Brands uh, Network with this podcast that, that really kind of he came up or really is pioneered with. Um, so he's done a great job, and, and we're excited to see Jake do great things with rivals. Uh, so getting that out of the way, let's talk some football commits. So the Badgers got two commits over the past two days, um, and, and we'll hit the first one first. So Jackson Acker, uh, a running back from Verona, just outside of Madison, committed on Sunday night. So he was here for a uh, a camp over the weekend, and really, from the reports of it, looks like he was looking for an offer from Wisconsin, and that was really about it. Uh, and he got it on Sunday afternoon, and uh, only, I guess, reportedly a couple hours later accepted that offer, uh, became the second commitment for the class of 2021. Uh, Acker's a guy, he's a big kid, he's a big athlete, uh, six foot one and 215 pounds now, um, which will be curious to see how he continues to develop and grow only a sophomore or heading into his junior season of high school. At 6'1", 215, uh, clearly a, a mature and developed kid already. Uh, he's a thick kid, uh, multi-sport athlete, plays football, basketball, and track and field uh, for Verona, and uh, really a, a, a special talent, and it's not something that you see often for the Badgers to get a commit uh, at the running back position so early. Uh, you know, and you kind of have to ask yourself, are they missing out on the opportunity for somebody by taking taking a kid this early, uh, especially an in-state kid. Wisconsin has shown the ability to recruit the running back position nationally. Uh, that kind of speaks for itself with the, their history at the position. But, um, you know, with, with someone like Acker, who is right in your backyard at Verona, and uh, to take a chance on him, I think that says more about Acker maybe than it does, um, you know, is a uh, any type of shot at the rest of the class, uh, who are obviously a bunch of 15- and 16-year-old kids. But uh, clearly UW high on Acker. Uh, and, and another thing, too, to, to keep track of, uh, Acker's, like I said, as I mentioned, we'll see how he continues to grow. He is a, uh, as like I said, a thick young man. And he, uh, you know, clearly has room to grow. Um, he's still only 15 or 16 years old. And uh, I know his head coach had mentioned something in an article, I believe it was on 24-7, behind a paywall. Uh, so I won't talk too much about it, but kind of said that, he thinks he could get heavier without losing much speed and, and said that he could potentially see him as a, as a linebacker uh, 
you know, in a few years. So something to keep track of there. I think Wisconsin will continue to recruit the running back position hard in that class um, and, and kind of take their pick and see who they're looking for. Uh, but certainly, like I said, a big endorsement of Acker uh, to receive an offer this early. Uh, and obviously he jumped on it. Uh, fairly quickly. So that was the first one. The second commit is Nick Herbig, a linebacker out of Hawaii. Uh, was on his official visit this weekend, one of six official visitors on campus this weekend in Madison. Uh, and, and Herbig pulled the trigger pretty quickly. Uh, Washington and UCLA were the other big uh, suitors for Herbig. Uh, however, he was never on campus at either of them. Uh, Wisconsin was really his first on-campus visit at, at really any school um, of any prominence as far as like an official visit, uh, and uh, clearly, as obviously, um, you know, being in Hawaii, he's not on the mainland. It's not as as uh, effortless to uh, to take a visit somewhere to look at a school. But um, a big get for the UW class uh, in this class of 2020. He's the ninth commitment. Uh, Herbig's listed at outside linebacker, six foot two, and uh, 215 pounds. Uh, the Badgers seemingly look at him as an outside linebacker at the next level. I know he's kind of mentioned that in the interviews that they value his ability to rush the passer as well as cover. Uh, so Herbig, uh, a, a good athlete. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of use him. He, uh, like I said, only, only 210 pounds at the moment. Uh, so clearly he's going to continue to add bulk and strength kind of in the same vein as Spencer Lytle. Um, another high-profile outside linebacker the Badgers have got from the West Coast recently, um, you know. But but Herbig shows something on his highlight tape. The first first play, very first play, um, shows some bend in getting after the passer. And I understand it's against high school offensive linemen, but that's extremely encouraging. Uh, Herbig is a guy that that could be a different type of athlete than UW's really had at outside linebacker since Joe Schobert, uh, T.J. Watt, and Vince Beagle. So while the the Badgers have clearly had no shortage of uh, prospects and, and talented kids at the position. Uh, I think Herbig's a, another type of guy. Uh, he's a four-star recruit by 24-7 and, and probably a bit higher profile than what the Badgers have gotten traditionally at that spot, like I said, at least since Vince Beagle. So uh, a big get there. As I mentioned earlier, the ninth commitment for 2020. Um, so it'll be curious to see how those spots continue to fill up here, uh, and we'll touch on that in a second. So Fits. Wisconsin's big about fits. Paul Chris is, Christ is always big about fits. And so I kind of want to see uh, how this class, these two will fit into their classes. So starting with Acker, uh, as I mentioned, he's the second commit for 2021. So really, I don't know if he ends up as a running back or if he ends up as a linebacker or what the case may be. Uh, clearly, Wisconsin felt comfortable enough with him, at least as the running back, um, early and a, a big athlete, big talented, strong, thick kid uh, with with room to grow, obviously. So I don't know if we necessarily want to call him a linebacker yet. Um, they just offered him as a running back and we're a, a day or so out. So, um, you know, obviously until Wisconsin changes him to linebacker, I think probably the, the assumption should be that he's being brought in as a running back, uh, though obviously the discussion is out there that he could potentially be moved, um, you know, if the case may may present itself. Herbig uh, is a big get. Um, his older brother, Nate, is a uh, offensive lineman currently for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, who played at Stanford. So clearly, Stanford, Wisconsin, two high academic schools, uh, got a good ac athletic pedigree, uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see how Herbig fits in here. Uh, the outside linebacker position, really kind of up for grabs, especially in a year or two. Uh, Spencer Lytle came in and got some reps early in spring. 
Certainly don't think he's going to start, uh, but could, but could uh, contribute on special teams. Um, you know, as he continues to to gain bulk and and kind of get bigger. Um, getting ready for the rigors of the Big Ten. Herbig in that same camp, but uh, you know, after Zach Bond and, and in a couple of years, Noah Burks and Christian Bell and Isaiah Green-May um, are either older or out of the program, there's going to be opportunity at that outside linebacker position, and Herbig certainly fits the bill there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he fits in that room uh, and how quickly, if at all, he's able to ascend that depth chart. So as we move on here, what does this mean for these two classes? So uh, we'll start with the most recent one first. The 2020 class, uh, as I mentioned, there's nine commitments in. Uh, Herbig, only the second out-of-state commitment. Uh, but with not nine commits, probably tops about eight spots left. Uh, and, and with a bunch of high-profile guys both on campus this past weekend as well as this upcoming weekend, will certainly be an intriguing dynamic to see how quickly these spots fill up and, and what positions they end up at. Uh, just on campus this past weekend, some potential commitments for 2020. Nash Huttmacher, uh, defensive lineman from South Dakota, also an accomplished high school wrestler, uh, would be a um, the, the true nose tackle that Wisconsin's looking for in this 3-4 defense. They had Daniel Jackson, a four-star wide receiver from Kansas, on campus, a, a former high school teammate of Graham Mertz, excuse me, I uh, think that's going to play a huge role in Jackson's recruitment. Uh, and then Malik Reed, a linebacker from Arizona, uh, who's also highly considering UCLA. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how some of these spots fill up, obviously with two linebackers now in the class. Uh, you know, does, does Malik Reed feel some pressure to, uh, to, to commit? Um, you know, he's being looked at as an inside linebacker, but, but nonetheless... Um, certainly a uh, something to watch. Um, the class of 2021, I think Wisconsin can really stand to be very aggressive here, take some swings for the fences, trying to hit that home run. So they've got J.P. Benshaw, uh, obviously the younger brother of Luke and Bo Benshaw, committed already. He was the first commit, um, six foot seven, 270 pounds, uh, a big kid. Um, as to no surprise, once you see the other two Benshaw brothers and uh, probably projected as an offensive lineman, and now Acker at running back. So you've got two in-state kids, probably two of the top in-state guys in that 2021 class, and two guys that you very clearly feel very comfortable with um, offering uh, and accepting commitments from that early. So outside of that, there's a couple guys that really kind of stand out. Um, we'll talk about this a bit later in the mailbag uh, portion, which you guys did a great job of, of asking questions, but uh, I think two guys really stand out to me right now for 2021 guys that the Badgers can really uh, elevate their class if they're able to get these spots. So um, the first is J.C. Latham. Uh, is a kid that, a big 6'6", 275-pound defensive lineman. He was at Catholic Memorial, is currently rated as a four-star recruit, uh, transferred to IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida, and uh, will look to be a recruit there, um, but he's a huge, huge guy. Um, you know, as as a recruit, obviously and physically, but um, from a from an in-state perspective, uh, was at one point listed as like the number eight player in the country in the class of 2021. Um, and obviously, being so close to Wisconsin, uh, that that's a huge opportunity for the Badgers. He's listed them in their his top three at the moment, uh, and the other two, uh, if you guys have heard of uh, Alabama and Clemson, so. Clearly, Latham has his sights pointed very high, uh, thinks a lot of himself as he should. Um, 
with a, a big opportunity to sell himself at IMG. Uh, however, that third school, the University of Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, Latham has, has let it been known. He likes Wisconsin. He liked living here. And he would like playing at UW in front of his home fans. Um, so, obviously, this, this commitment... Prospects of this caliber typically play out for quite a while, um, and and the kid will do everything he can to to try and get where he wants to go to. Um, and while Alabama and Clemson are clearly the giants uh, in college football at the moment, extremely encouraging for Wisconsin that he's that listed them as that third school. Uh, and anytime there's three schools, and for a kid this good, uh, even um, with with co- competition as good as as Clemson and Alabama. Um, has to be encouraging um, and optimistic for the Badgers uh, to be listed there. And if they've got a one-third chance at this this kid, that's a good spot for Wisconsin to be in. Uh, the other kid is Nolan Rucci, the younger brother of Hayden Rucci, a 2019 tight end commit uh, who just recently got on campus. Uh, you know, Rucci, uh, both of them, obviously, the younger, the sons of Todd Rucci, a former Patriot offensive lineman uh, who went to Penn State and. Penn State never offered Hayden Rucci, uh, but they have offered Nolan, and that'll be, I think, the, the primary competition for Wisconsin here. Uh, they've made it known it's not necessarily a package deal, uh, but but Nolan, uh, already listed at 6'8 and 266 pounds, I believe, by 24-7. Uh, the Badgers have, have made it known they're prioritizing these big, tall tackles. Um, you know, Multiple in-state offensive linemen have mentioned that um, – they're seen as interior players for Wisconsin at six foot five. So uh, clearly, Rucci at six eight fits that bill, uh, and he's another guy, as I mentioned, who's already a very highly recruited player in this 2021 class. Wisconsin shouldn't uh, have any reservations about continuing to prioritize the top recruits possible in this class, uh, and Rucci fits into that bill. So 2021, they've already got two in-state kids. I would anticipate the Wisconsin being. Very aggressive uh, as we move forward here in this 2021 class, knowing they've already got a couple guys they're really high on, but with the opportunity to really get a couple of high-profile recruits um, in that 2021 class. So, moving forward, uh, past last weekend, now we're at this upcoming weekend. There's going to be eight recruits on campus for official visits. Uh, however, six of them are already committed. So, you have the offensive tackle from Stoughton, Jack Nelson, um, you know, interior offensive lineman Dylan Barrett from St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, ben Barton, who's an offensive tackle, uh, likely could also end up on the defensive line from Stratford. Uh, Cole Dakovich, the outside linebacker from Catholic Memorial in Waukesha. Trey Wedig, the four-star offensive tackle from Kettle Moraine, the number 80 player ranked in the country right now uh, by 24-7 in the 2020 class. Uh, and Chimere Dike, the wide receiver from Waukesha North High School. Uh, who's already committed. So obviously you've got six committed recruits, uh, which is uh, encouraging. Obviously they want to get back on campus, uh, but I think it's a huge deal uh, for the two guys that aren't committed that are visiting. First one uh, being Jalen Paxson, a wide receiver from Manville, Texas. Uh, Ted Gilmore, the Badgers wide receivers coach, offered him early and has been high on him. Uh, He's really uh, hasn't quite blown up like a, a lot of guys do that that Wisconsin offers. I think they're pretty clearly the still the highest um, profile offer that Paxton has, uh, but could play an interesting role in this 2020 class. Daniel Jackson is is highly more highly rated than Paxton. However, I'm I'm not entirely sure that there's two wide receiver spots in this class. As we mentioned, there's probably six to eight left uh, tops. 
So, uh, you know, if if Jackson, who still has a couple of official visits listed, uh, if, if Paxton were to, to jump on that commitment, I, I hesitate to say that Wisconsin wouldn't take Daniel Jackson, but certainly would put quite a bit of pressure on Wisconsin. Uh, as I mentioned, don't know if they have two spots planned for the wide receiver position. So only having the two uncommitted recruits or non-committed recruits on campus this weekend has a big opportunity for Wisconsin to really roll out the red carpet for both Jalen Paxton and the other uncommitted visitor this upcoming weekend, Cam Large. The Badgers' top tight end recruit uh, is six foot five and 240 pounds from Massachusetts. And uh, as Alabama and Georgia among his other finalists with UW, so uh, a big opportunity for Wisconsin. Like I said, they've these uh, Cam Large and Jalen Paxton have an opportunity. They'll be around six uh, potential future teammates uh, with the six committed kids already. Um, you know, five of them are in state, so they have the opportunity to sell that for them as well. And really, they'll be able to spend quite a bit of time with Large and Paxton. Um, not that they'll ignore the currently committed kids, um, but you don't have to sell them quite as hard on Wisconsin because they're already committed. So, um, you know, while they're there, they'll be looking to to potentially add a couple teammates uh, after this weekend. And, and again, a big opportunity, like I mentioned, for Wisconsin with these two kids. Um, Large in particular, uh, there were two tight ends in last year's class. They don't have one yet in the 2020 class. I know there's been some discussion about Cole Dakovich potentially being listed at tight end, uh, but he's that outside linebacker for right now, and I think that's probably where we'll keep it. Uh, so certainly something worth tracking uh, as we move forward here to see. I don't know. I don't want to call it pressure, uh, but certainly some desperation or some urgency going to be required here uh, with with so many recruits coming on campus uh, and, and simply a finite amount of spots remaining um, in this 2020 class. So with that, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll be back with our mailbag segment um, after the break. So thanks for listening, and we will be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Owen Reese again with the mailbag. Uh, you guys did a great job, sent in four questions um, on kind of a last-second thing. So it was, uh, that's, that's a good number for you guys. Appreciate the feedback, appreciate the interaction, uh, and we hope that this continues to grow and, and uh, continues to be a big part of our podcast. So uh, the first question comes from at Geary 4 uh, he said, which Wisconsin moment haunts the most? Uh, and, and that's a good question. I think uh, with the newfound success that the Badgers have had both in football and basketball over the past couple or decades or so, uh, that lends itself to high-pressure, high-profile situations, high, uh, highly competitive, highly contested games uh and and situations and, and really you know obviously those kind of come down to a, a a disappointing or very fulfilling feeling obviously so uh with that i think there's obviously a few notable ones the wisconsin uh, ohio state big 10 championship game in 2014 was obviously a huge punch in the gut uh the 59 to 0 loss to ohio state um and the buckeyes would go on to win the national championship in 2017 uh, they had their undefeated season, uh, obviously cut short against the Buckeyes in Indianapolis. That one was a tough one to swallow. The 
national championship game against Duke. The year before that, they played Kentucky and were beat on a buzzer-beater three-pointer, so obviously that one was tough as well. Uh, but the one I'm going to go with is the Florida game in the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. Uh, Wisconsin had just beaten the number one overall seed Villanova, the reigning uh, defending champs, and with the the string of momentum you kind of had, Wisconsin really hadn't played well most of the game. It was kind of come back late uh, and was able to tie it. Zach Showalter obviously hit his runner three, uh, hit the uh, the title bell to Aaron Rodgers, and there was such a, a rush of emotion and excitement to then have it come crashing down so quickly um, when, when Florida hit the shot, uh, kind of on a similar runner three-pointer to end the game. I think it was just such a... A sudden, um, uh, a sudden outcome, a sudden stop. Obviously, to, to such a, an exciting season, one that had been so disappointing at one point, and the, and the Badgers really able to rally back. And you know, they're they're given an eight seed, and really kind of were thought to be a bit of an afterthought. Uh, but a team that nobody really wanted to play, a team that had underachieved uh, during the season, and. Obviously, Villanova, uh, I don't think that they overlooked Wisconsin, but certainly a, a team uh, with more talent than an eight seed would indicate and and uh, had that great shot, Nigel Hayes with the reverse layup uh, to put them up against Villanova. Uh, so then you come kind of move forward in the bracket, was kind of falling in Wisconsin's favor. Uh, however, obviously, unfortunately, the Florida game did not. So that would be my pick for that. Uh, thanks again for the question, Sean. The next question is Brooks Bollinger better than Jim Sorgi? <clears throat> Excuse me, and that comes from Straight Margarine uh, at IEL Yahtzee on Twitter. And to be honest with you, I'm 26 years old, and I don't have a super strong opinion. Um, you know, obviously, I remember both Brooks Bollinger and Jim Sorgi playing at Wisconsin. I remember being a younger man or child, I guess, if you will, and and I remember them being really kind of those those gritty gamer. Um, under physically talented, but but a lot of football IQ and really be able to to scrap and, and fight to keep Wisconsin ball games. Uh, and obviously, I think Brooks Ballinger probably had a more accomplished statistical professional career. Um, you know, but Jim Sorge obviously was a, a valuable piece as well, playing behind both Peyton and Eli Manning throughout uh, their college or their their pro careers. So, to me, I'll say Brooks Ballinger. Um, you know, like I said, it's. I don't really have a take as to which one was better at Wisconsin. Obviously, both were successful there, but I'll go with Brooks Ballinger. He did start a few games uh, for both the Jets and, I believe, the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the NFL. And uh, Sorgi obviously was in a different situation, but um, I think I'm going to go with Ballinger on that. But again, thanks for the question, um, and certainly a, a good discussion uh, and probably something I should do some more research on, kind of go back and watch some of those old Badger games uh, to have a more informed opinion on. Uh, our next question comes from John CCEDU <clears throat> on Twitter, and, and he talks about kind of defensive line recruiting in general and how Wisconsin, outside of Olive Sagapolo, seems to have kind of dropped the notion of uh, continuing to target these big mammoth 330-pound-plus nose tackles kind of for the more conventional or more common body type seemingly seemingly recruited by them now of these 290 to 300 pound maybe 310 uh, nose tackles to play in the middle of the defense and I think there's a couple reasons for that so obviously Jim Leonard comes from the Rex Ryan system uh, it's a very multiple front a lot of odd and even fronts a lot of blitzing 
And the biggest thing, I think, is that because of a lot of the offenses that Wisconsin's starting to see, um, they're playing more nickel. They're playing more sub-package than they have in years past. And I think that Wisconsin wants to operate out of their base personnel to play nickel. Uh, and I think that in order that allows them to, one, be more multiple uh, and, and less predictable to the offense. But, two, I think it, it's just a... Kind of a result of the game of football changing. I think uh, there's still obviously a place for those big stud run stuffing defensive tackles, um, but typically they're not above average pass rushers, and I think that's something Wisconsin wants to improve on. Another thing to consider is that Jim Leonard likes to stunt and move a lot with his defensive front. Dave Aranda did as well. Uh, and I think that the more athletic and the more lean that some of the guys you have up front are at that, the more effective they can be with that movement. Uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, Bryson Williams probably in that 310 to 315 range. So by no means am I calling him, you know, slight or, or light, uh, but certainly a, uh, a bit more trim, a bit more athletic, slender, um, mobile, Defensive line, I think, has has been come a bit more in vogue in Madison. You see that in this upcoming or this incoming recruiting class. Excuse me. Three defensive linemen are brought in uh, on scholarship: uh, Rodas Johnson, Gio Paez, and Keanu Benton. Uh, none of them listed at over three hundred pounds. And uh, while I think probably Benton ends up uh, as a nose, and and you know Paez and and Johnson probably both looking in that three technique slot. Neither of them are, or none of them, excuse me, are, are very physically imposing, like overwhelmingly. You know, they're all in that 290 to three to 280 to 290 range. Uh, they're athletic, uh, can move around a bit, and they are a bit taller. Uh, Paez, you know, maybe the shorter at that six foot two ish range, but nonetheless, I think you are starting to see some of that uh, less and less emphasis on these big. Uh, Two gapping 340 pound nose tackles. Obviously, Olive Sagapolu just graduated, and he was around for four years. But um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think Wisconsin is is necessarily done with that archetype of a player. Uh, every year, you see they recruit and they they offer quite a few defensive tackles that are north of that 315 pound mark. Unfortunately, none of them have have uh, chosen Madison. Uh, so I think they're it's kind of a result of of using what they've got. But at the same point, uh, kind of continuing to adjust their scheme to their personnel. So thank you again for that question. That was a good question. Uh, and the last one, <coughs> excuse me, comes from Rye Guy three two two three, and he has a couple different prompts here. Uh, he wants to talk about offensive line and defensive line depth for twenty twenty one. The twenty twenty one depth chart along the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, the next commit in the twenty twenty class and the top twenty twenty one targets. Uh, so thank you for all of those. Uh, we'll start with the quick ones first. Uh, the next commitment I see in the 2020 class is I'm going to go with Jalen Paxton. Uh, he's a wide receiver from Manville, Texas, and uh, he'll be the second receiver to have an official visit. Uh, obviously, Daniel Jackson had his last weekend, but to me, Paxton seems like a guy who is in a, a more advantageous position if he were to jump on that offer immediately. Uh, Wisconsin probably is his best offer, and and while Wisconsin still very may well take Daniel Jackson further down the line, he is a higher rated recruit. Uh, I think Paxton's going to be a guy that it's really going to jump on that opportunity, and uh, and not 
not give much time uh, after that official visit before he commits. So that's my guess there. Um, the three-star receiver out of Texas. Uh, the top 21, top 2021 targets, excuse me, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier in the episode, uh, but the, the, the two for me are J.C. Latham, the defensive lineman from Catholic Memorial, who's now at IMG, and Nolan Rucci. Uh, I think those are two... Uh, big time targets. Rucci could be the second offensive lineman on the in the class. They obviously have uh, JP Benchall already, who's who's projected to be an offensive lineman. Uh, but Latham is a guy that really, for me, I even said this a couple of years ago when he really started to burst out at CMH. He's a guy that can really change the complexion of this defensive scheme. Uh, if you think of him as a uh, in these these Rex Ryan defenses or these Mike Pettin defenses, think of him as a guy like. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, a guy who can play on the edge, uh, Latham listed at 6'6", 275 for now, uh, but he can also really play like an odd front guy, um, you know, he can be that, that five technique defensive end where if you line down, if you want to be in a base 3-4, he can play that, if you want to line up in a an even front, he can play outside or even play three technique if you need to, uh, but really a guy that you can kind of move around. Uh, he's a superior athlete for the position, uh, has a big frame, and, and is pretty versatile, and that's a guy that Wisconsin hasn't had many guys like. Uh, so that's what I'm going to go with, those two top targets. Obviously, there's a long ways to go, and a lot of highly ranked guys that the Badgers have recruited, uh, but, but those two stand out to me in particular. Um, so next we'll talk about the offensive line and defensive line depth for 2021. I think it's going to be much, much improved uh, from what you saw a year ago, especially along the defensive line. So the offensive line is uh, continued to be added uh, to and from a depth standpoint since Paul Christ came to Wisconsin. However, for the first time, this will really be the first time that that depth is tested. Wisconsin losing Michael Dieter, Dave Edwards, Bo Benshaw, all three-plus-year starters, as well as John Dietzen, another guy that started uh, the better part of three years. That's a lot of experience and a lot of playing time and a lot of games started leaving. And so the, the offensive line has been a priority since Paul Christ returned, and that's something now where you'll start to see some of those fruits of that labor come to fruition. Cole Van Landen played quite a bit last year at left tackle over half of the snaps, but he'll really be the guy there now. You'll see guys like Jason Erdman, who has played in a reserve role over the past few years. I think he'll have a prominent role. Caden Lyles, who played defensive line last year, uh, really kind of took one for the team. He'll be back. You know, obviously, you have Tyler Biotish returning, which is huge. Uh, and then another guy that I'm really interested to see how he fits into this is David Mormon, uh, fifth-year senior lineman from Michigan who uh, has kind of been cross-trained. He's really been listed probably at about all five spots along the offensive line, and with some maybe not uh, maybe a competition really at, at both of those guard spots. I think that Mormon's a guy that you can't necessarily count out of there. Uh, and then depending on how Logan Bruss or Tyler Beach play, depending uh, the Badgers have shown that they're uh, more than willing to find ways to get their best five offensive linemen on the field. So if Mormon's one of those five, wouldn't be too surprising to see him slip out to tackle uh, or play any of those interior spots uh, in order to to get the best five on the field in front of Jonathan Taylor and, and whoever is at quarterback in 2020 and 2019. So really it'll be interesting to see how some of those guys play out. Uh, and kind of leading into that, the 2021 depth chart, um, oh, obviously a ways out. I'll go with the starting lineup uh, for, for each of those. But, um, you know, like I said, we are quite a ways out with this, but 
uh, always kind of a fun exercise to, to look that far in the future. So um, on the offensive line, to me, I think the left tackle is Logan Brown. I think that's fairly expected at this point. Uh, the left guard would be Joe Titman, a uh, four-star tackle who is coming in in 2019. Uh, but simply put, they've got more highly recruited tackles uh, coming in than they have spots to play them at tackle. Uh, so I think Tipman ends up inside. We'll go with uh, Dylan Barrett, the center from St. Charles at center uh, in this scenario. And then I think you probably have Jack Nelson, the tackle from Stoughton at right guard. And then right tackle would be Trey Wedig the top 100 player nationally from Kettle Moraine right now. I think that's probably your starting offensive line in 2021. And then on the defensive line, I will go with uh, Bryson Williams at nose tackle. Uh, he'll be a senior at that point, a fourth-year senior. And then the two guys at defensive end, I see one will be Rodas Johnson, uh, the uh, late-in-the-class late addition from Ohio. Uh, at that three technique spot, and then at the five technique spot, I'm going to go with Isaiah Mullins, a guy who I think is going to have a big role in 2019, uh, and hopefully can continue that down the line. But uh, playing that outside technique, that five technique, longer, lankier defensive end spot, uh, that's where I think I see Isaiah Mullins stepping in there. So again, thanks for those questions. We will be right back after another break to wrap up the show. And thanks again for listening, uh, and uh, like I said, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back for the final time here in this episode of Bucky's Foot Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Owen Reese, finishing up this first episode, uh, flying solo. Uh, it's been a good time so far, and, and hopefully I, I will continue to improve uh, moving forward, and then you guys will continue to uh you know like share uh subscribe leave a dis leave a review um uh, leave a five-star review and uh continue to give us some feedback and let us know what we can do with this podcast we have a great time doing it uh really happy to be a part of the sp nation brands team brands podcast network and and uh continue what to see what we can do from here so uh to wrap this up i was as always you can find us on apple podcast google podcast soundcloud stitcher and anywhere else you can find podcasts, uh, any platform that you prefer, uh, we are there and, and uh, we'll continue to put out content for you guys. So again, make sure you leave us a five-star review, uh, leave us a rating, and, and let us know how we can improve. We're trying to make this as good as we can for you guys every single week. So uh, for the first time, uh, hopefully with a lot of times, signing off, this is Owen Reese. Thanks again for listening to Bucky's Foot Podcast.